Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. Hey, welcome to the first virtual gathering of 2021. You made it through 2020, what a crazy year. But I just want to say we're expectant and we're full of faith that 2021 is going to be an amazing year. And uh, I don't feel nervous saying that. People have said, you know, don't be too optimistic about the future. But I believe we've always got to be optimistic about the future. We have hope and we believe in a God that is in control. So I'm believing for our church, for you personally, that 2021 is going to be a year of growth and of opportunity and of beauty. So I'm excited to have you with us this morning. But also today we are going to be kicking off our brand new series called Kingdom. Throughout the New Testament, we see this idea of kingdom or the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, this kind of like imagery of a kingdom and it's used loads. And uh, when you become a Christian or a follower of Jesus, uh, people often say this, I talk to us about this idea of the kingdom. So we're going to be spending five weeks looking at the kingdom because it's going to affect the way we interact with one another. It's going to affect the way we live. It's going to affect the things that we say, the things that we do. So five weeks throughout January, you are not going to want to miss it. So I want to encourage you to be at every single one of those. So let's kick off today. I want to title this message, Welcome to the Kingdom. So this is this idea. It's kind of like an introduction, but it's also an opportunity or an invitation for those who are listening right now. Maybe you've never crossed that line of faith and this morning you're just intrigued and you wanted to know what is going on. Well, my invitation is welcome to the kingdom. It's come and check out what's going on. Come and lean in to what God wants to say to you because I believe he's got something for every single one of us this morning. But I hope you had a good Christmas and a good New Year. And uh, coming off the back of that, I was just sort of thinking. And over Christmas, on Christmas Day, I went back home to my mom's house. And uh, at my mom's house, it was kind of the house I grew up in. So I always feel at home. And uh, But it's funny in life... There are various different ways of doing things, like multiple, multiple different ways of doing things. But I always find it fascinating that when I go home to mom's house, even though there's all these different ways of doing things, in mom's house there's only one way of doing things, and that's mom's way. It's kind of like the second you cross over that threshold, you are in mom's house, which means you are under mom's rules. Like you could do things various ways, but in mom's house, it's done by mom's rules. It's kind of the same idea uh, when we talk about the kingdom. So a kingdom is this kind of area or it's kind of a jurisdiction or a boundary that is under the rule of a leader, so a king or a queen. And it's kind of in this kingdom, it's like the protection and the rules of the leader. So like at mom's house, you cross over that threshold, you are now subject to mom's rules. Just the same with the kingdom of God or any kingdom that you are subject to the king, the queen or the leader. And uh, it's interesting in the Bible that when we talk about the kingdom of God, obviously there is a kingdom, the jurisdiction, the rule of a king and the king being Jesus. But I find it interesting that about the kingdom of God is Jesus is both the model citizen and the, the supreme leader of the kingdom. So Jesus embodies the kingdom. He embodies all of what it means to, I guess, live under the rule of the kingdom. He embodies the, the perfected sort of like recapitulated version, the done again but done right version 
of the kingdom, yet he also is the one that leads it. The kingdom is subject to the king being Jesus. So we're going to look at the kingdom. I want us to jump to a a narrative that's found in Matthew chapter 9. So like I said, Jesus is like the model citizen of the kingdom. He is the leader of the kingdom, but he is the model citizen. So we're going to look at Jesus because he embodies what it means to live according to the rules of the kingdom. So we're going to be like journeying through some things, uh, mostly in the book of Matthew, just looking at Jesus and the way he interacts with people and the way he embodies this kingdom. So Matthew 9, Jesus has already done some miracles. He's already kind of done some teaching. Like people have begun to listen to Jesus. He's healed some people and some religious leaders are proper not happy with him because he claimed to be able to forgive sins. So they're kind of like already on edge thinking, what is this guy doing? So we're going to pick up and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through to 13. And this is a moment whereby Jesus is calling one of his disciples, Matthew. So he's kind of calling him to, to be one of his followers. So let's read this, pick up in verse 9. It says, as Jesus went on from there, there being healing Uh, the guy who was led down in the mat. You can read that on your own. But it says, as Jesus was going on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we're going to look at this. Like I said, this message is entitled, Welcome to the Kingdom. So we need to understand especially as followers of Jesus, we need to understand this kingdom. Because if we were to to look at this kingdom, it kind of exists on top of the kingdom of this world. So there's kind of like two kingdoms going on. Now, you might say, well, I can't see it. And we're going we're gonna to keep unpacking this as we go. But the kingdom of the world is everything in our like fallen state. And by fallen, I mean, when we go right back to the beginning of the Bible, we see that humanity severed its connection with God, which allowed sin into the world. So we call this fallen humanity. So the kingdom of the world is everything that we are kind of, we are leaning towards sin, our leaning towards destruction, our leading, leaning towards dysfunction. So the kingdom of the world is like all of like the sin and the evil and the things that just weren't what we were designed to be. And then there's the kingdom of God, which is kind of like set over the top of this. It exists in the same space. But we need to understand, but actually, which kingdom am I perpetuating? Which kingdom am I living according to? Because if they're both like over the top of each other, we make this decision. Am I going to live according to the kingdom of the world? Or am I going to kind of live under the rule of the kingdom of God? So let's look at this. We need to dig in and be like, let's learn about this kingdom. How do we get in? What does it cost? All these different questions. So we're going to make some observations according to this passage in Matthew about the kingdom of God. And if you take notes, the first one is this. Is this kingdom requires faith. This kingdom requires faith. To pick up this passage, we see here that Matthew is sat 
at a tax collector's booth. Now, for a little bit of context in those times, tax collectors were predominantly Jewish, okay? So when the Roman rule came in, they obviously required taxes from the Jews. So the Romans would essentially put out a deal to tender. In other words, they would say, hey, who wants to collect the taxes on our behalf? And people would essentially bid and say, hey, I'll give you this much tax if you let me be the tax collector. Now that might sound strange, like people bidding for a job, but actually they were allowed to overcharge people. They were allowed to kind of ask for more from the people. And however, like the surcharge, whatever they asked more of the tax, they got to keep themselves. So the, the, the Romans would be able to take their taxes from the tax collector, who like I said was Jewish, and uh, the tax collector would make their own money by overcharging people. So if there was like a real greedy tax collector, the people just were taxed way more and they would make a ton of money. So the, the tax collector role was kind of one that fell through the cracks of society. They, weren't, they were rejected by the Romans, but they were also rejected by the Jews. They just kind of existed for themselves. But the thing is, when we look at this idea of Jesus calling a tax collector to be his follower, we know that Jesus also called fishermen. And the interesting thing about fishermen is it's a skill. So they could fish anywhere. If they just had enough of Jesus, they wanted to go back to their job, they could go buy a boat. They still have the skills to be fishermen. But the thing is about Matthew is if Matthew was in that moment to just leave his job, it's not something he could go back to. It wasn't exactly something that he would just be able to be like, you know, Jesus, I'm done. I'm going to go back to collecting taxes. He would have lost that job. That deal would have been done. There was no way he could go back. So imagine Matthew with the context of this. They're not, they're kind of like despised people making a ton of money. This is like lucrative money. Very, very wealthy people. This is something he's never going to be able to do again if he loses it unless he moved around to different places or whatever it might have been, but he would never be able to do it again. He sat there in a tax collecting booth and Jesus sees him and says the simple words of, come, follow me. And I just want us to look at this. Look at Matthew's faith here in, uh, in verse nine. And it says, Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew got up and followed him. As simple as that. Jesus said, come follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. There must have been something in Matthew that saw this guy and thought, you know what? Even in the light of this lucrative money, even in the light of living for myself, there's something different about this guy. There's something about this guy I just can't shake. And it says in the Bible that actually faith isn't based on the things that we see, but it's based on hearing the word of God. So Matthew hears this word and Jesus says, come follow. And Matthew knows that the very same words that he's hearing through his very own ears were the same words that spoke the stars into the sky, that, that breathed humanity into existence. There must have been some weight with those words. And it just caused something to stir up in Matthew to be like, you know what? There's something in that. There's something special about this. There's, there's something that happened in Matthew because like we don't know exactly what happened. But for Matthew to stand up in that very moment and be like, I'm, I'm in. Something must have happened in him. There was this step of faith that was required. Matthew had to make this decision. Do I sit in my comfort with everything I've known? Or do I just take a gamble on this guy? Do I take a leap of faith with this guy that says, come follow me?
It says in Hebrews 11.6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. It is impossible to please God without faith. See, this idea of being ushered into the kingdom of God, being welcomed into the kingdom of God, it's not something that we see. In fact, sometimes everything around us just does not look like the kingdom of God. In fact, so many times we will look around and think, this, this doesn't look like the good that God promised. In fact, we stand here after the craziest year we've had and it's not even fully over yet. And we think this doesn't look like the kingdom of heaven that was, that was promised. This doesn't look like the... But actually to be in the kingdom of God, it requires a faith to say, even when things look dark, I know that there is a God who is in control. And it says that faith is based on hearing the word of God. Well, if God said he would never leave me, even though things look dark, I know I'm not on my own. This kingdom requires faith. Faith in who? Faith in the king. Okay, you might find yourself listening right now thinking, beginning of 2021, this is it. This is my year. I'm going to have to make some changes. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to push on with some new things. I'm going to try harder this year. I'm going to be a nicer person. And then maybe, just maybe, I can work my way into a place where I'm all good with God. See, this kingdom isn't based on the hard work that we can do. This kingdom, we cannot buy our way into it. We cannot earn our way into this kingdom. This kingdom, you can only get to it through faith. It says in the Bible that we are saved by grace through faith. The only way into this kingdom is through faith. This kingdom requires faith. If you're sat here listening this morning, you just think you want to get right with God. You want to, you want to be the person you've been designed to be. You want to get into a relationship with God and you think you've got to sort all your things out before you can come to him. Well, that's not what this says. Matthew was sat there in his own brokenness, in his own mess, and Jesus said, come follow me. Matthew had to have some faith. That is all God is asking of you this morning. Will you have faith in me? That Hebrews verse, it says, Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This kingdom requires faith. He just wants you to have faith in him this morning. That in the craziest of circumstances, that he will never leave you. That you will stand there and say, you know what? I I don't know about this. I'm not wholly sure. But you've said it and I believe you. This kingdom requires faith. The second thing is this kingdom costs everything. This kingdom costs everything. Again, let's look at Matthew in this passage. So Matthew, again, he sat in this this place of wealth. He sat in a place where he would have had friends that obviously would have come to him for his money, but he also would have had friends that were in the same profession as him colleagues or like other people from the the criminal underworld of the Jews and I guess he was in this position though so Jesus sees him in this this tax collecting booth it wasn't just that moment that is that's embodied in this narrative it's actually this way of life for Matthew so Matthew is sat there he hears these words come follow me and in that moment it's not just like oh should I leave the booth should that's not what Jesus was saying Jesus was saying come follow me and leave behind everything that is associated with that leave behind that world leave behind those people leave behind that whole circumstance Leave behind the money. 
This is for Matthew. This is what happened. Matthew is sat there thinking, okay, this is a big one. This is, this is a big step for me. This kingdom requires faith, but it costs everything. This wasn't something that Matthew was like, hey, I'll be able to do this and, and take everything with me. It was kind of this moment where Jesus said, it's, it's now or never, just come. Come right now. Would have been a huge step for Matthew. Like I said, it would have required faith, but the cost. And maybe you're listening this morning thinking, oh, does this mean if I come to Jesus, then I have to sell my house or I have to give away the little I've got or I have to sell my car and I can't have any of these earthly possessions and all this, do I have to give everything away? No, that's, that's not what this is saying. It's saying that you have to be willing to. It doesn't say that to come to Jesus, you have to give all the stuff and live like this monastic life. But it's saying you have to be willing to let go of those things. And this idea that the kingdom costs everything. I want to read a verse from Galatians chapter 2 verses 20. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I actually live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This kingdom costs everything. What do I mean by this? It requires the denial of our former self. It says in Corinthians that those who are in Christ are a new creation. To get into the kingdom, we must deny our former selves and lean in to the people that God has designed us to be. This kingdom costs everything. We have to deny all of our sinful nature. We have to deny the desires of ourself and lean in to what God has breathed into us. You might sit and think, I don't know if I want to pay that. I don't know if you want me to, to, to deny myself and actually turn away from that and lean into who God is. Because that Galatians verse said that now I don't live anymore. It's actually Christ who lives in me. Like, does that mean I've lost my authenticity? I've lost myself. I lose my identity. That's not what this means. In Jesus, in relationship with God, we become the truest versions of ourselves. We actually can lean into the people we've been designed to be. So actually, when we deny our former selves, and we become new creations. And that's like the, the, the cost. We deny our sin. We repent. We turn away. And we lean into God. We become the truest versions of ourselves. We actually become more of who we were designed to be, not less. We don't necessarily lose our gifts. We don't lose our skills. We don't lose these like personality traits or attributes for ourselves. In fact, we actually lean into a truer, more vibrant version of those. So if you're listening and you're thinking, I don't know if I can pay that, can I encourage you to stop and think, if this kingdom costs everything, why? It's because to establish this kingdom, God gave everything. He sent himself so that me and you could experience that opportunity, could experience that crossing over from death of our former selves and into life. God gave everything. Jesus laid down his life so we could experience freedom. This kingdom costs everything. Maybe you're sat listening and you're feeling a little bit challenged, like, I didn't know that that's what following Jesus looked like. 
So I have to give everything away. But if God said, imagine if God said, I want you to give away your car. And we said, you know, whatever's in your will, you give away your car. I've heard so many stories of people saying it was only in the moment where I actually let go of something that God said, okay, now I know you trust me. We, we've talked about this before, about this, this attachment to materialism that we have. See, this kingdom costs everything. That doesn't mean we give it all away, but it means we are willing to give it all away. It is only when we get to a place where it doesn't mean anything to our salvation, doesn't mean anything to us being secure or fulfilled or purposeful. We only get that from God. It's only when we get to that place does God say, okay, that's not a threat in your life anymore. So maybe you're listening and you've got some things, these, these little anchors of materialism in your life. Maybe you've got some things that you're just struggling to to get right with God because you can't quite let go of some things for your security. But God, I would come to you, but the, my bank balance doesn't necessarily fill me with confidence that I'm going to be okay. That's not faith. That you're getting your security from something other than God. And I don't know about you, but money has never said to me, I will always be there for you. In fact, I sacrificed myself to give you life. You know, a job's never done that. A relationship's never done that. But God said, I will always be with you. And he demonstrated his love by giving himself for us. This kingdom requires faith. This kingdom costs everything. But this kingdom has a mission. This kingdom has a mission. So we see this in this passage. And we're going to go from verse 10 to the end of this passage verse 13 and uh, we see that Jesus calls Matthew so Matthew says yeah I'll follow you he gets up he makes this crazy decision it costs him everything and then he kind of throws this party he gets all of his colleagues together he gets the Bible says that all the tax collectors and sinners came to join them and some scholars believe that Jesus was in Matthew's house like his private residence so there have only been a few of them but other scholars say that for the fact that they even mentioned that all these people came implied that it was like more of a public thing so Matthew might have had quite a big house because he was wealthy so people could see what was going on here and Jesus was sat across the table from these people that society deemed as like not worthy or that they were like undervalued that they were seen as not the people that you would want to be associated with and Jesus is sat across the table from them eating now me and you might be like well so what that's cool just eat with someone but at the time to sit across the table and share food with someone eat with someone implied this like restored relationship it implied that there was like a peace between them like a mutual respect some might even say a endorsement like that Jesus was endorsing these people and the passage says that the Pharisees so the Pharisees being the teachers of God's law so they believed that they had this like righteous standing with God because they observed the law like no one else did so these Pharisees believed that they were kind of better than other people in this sense and they're watching Jesus eat with all these people and to make it worse Jesus in the passage before this passage in Matthew 9, he claims to forgive this guy's sin. So the Pharisees have heard this guy claim this and then he goes on to eat with these sinners and the message Bible says the riffraff, the criminals. So 
This is kind of like the sequencing of these passages make it really interesting. It shows that there's something going on here. If Jesus kind of makes his claim to be God at the beginning of Matthew 9 and then he goes on and this is what he does straight after that, it demonstrates that the kingdom has a mission. In Luke 19 verses 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus kind of makes his claim to be God and then he turns around and goes and eats with criminals that people would look at them and not see their lives as any value. They would look at them and say, you don't want to be around those people. They're like the outcasts of society, like the criminal underbelly that the Jews just said, we don't want any part of that. And Jesus is sat across from the table. Now a side note on this, this is a beautiful picture. If anyone in your life has ever told you that your life would amount to nothing or you have no value or what are you ever going to do or how could your life ever turn into to be uh, someone that is loved or turn into be someone that is significant or whatever it might be. We see this passage, Jesus sat across from the table with this sort of like extended arm towards these people. Jesus has a table and there is a seat for you at it. What does that mean? It means that Jesus has his arms extended, that he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to welcome you in no matter who you are, no matter how far gone you feel, no matter how many times you feel you've messed up or how worthless you feel, Jesus still invites you into relationship with him. So we see this picture of the kingdom of God. Jesus embodies this kingdom. He is the model citizen and the king of this kingdom. See, the, the, the Pharisees are like, they pull the disciples aside. Which, again, another side note on this. Have you ever found that, that people that want to kind of be a little bit divisive or, or people that, that don't go to the heart of the problem, they go to like the peripherals. We see this, this is kind of like a religious spirit. And to make a big claim, there is an opposition to the kingdom. And we see that in like sin and in evil. And like the kingdom of the world is in opposition to the kingdom of God. But I also think there's another opposition to the kingdom of God, and that is a religious spirit. A spirit that is small-minded and comfortable and pushes people away for the sake of their faith or religion. This religious spirit, these Pharisees, they don't go to Jesus and say, hey Jesus, you're supposed to be a teacher of God. In fact, you even claim to be able to forgive sins. And now you're sat here. This isn't the example you're supposed to be given as a teacher of the law. Instead, they pull aside one of the disciples and they say, why is your teacher doing this? This isn't exactly, this isn't exactly the, the demonstration. This isn't exactly the example he's supposed to be setting. And it's kind of this condemnation, blame, finger pointing at the disciples being like, you're a teacher. And I love this. And Jesus kind of hears this for a second. The message version says Jesus shot back. It was like Jesus heard them kind of like messing with the disciples and Jesus stands up and calls them out. And this is what he says. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
See, Jesus was addressing something in the disciples here, in the, the Pharisees here. He was addressing this idea that the Pharisees saw themselves as like spiritual doctors. Now, if you've ever had an operation, you've ever been to the hospital, you see that surgeons, you know, they wear the gloves and they wear like the scrubs and the hats and everything's super sterile. And imagine if like the, the, the surgeons were, were super sterile and clean and they didn't want to go anywhere near sick people because they were clean. And Jesus is like, you guys have missed the point. The whole point that you guys are sterile and clean is that so you could go on mission to help the people that are broken and messed up and dirty. That's the whole point of this. That's the whole point of you being clean is that you can go and help people. Whereas the Pharisees had built up this idea that they were clean, therefore they couldn't associate with anyone that was broken or messed up or sinful or missed a mark. Can you see the irony of this? And Jesus is making this big claim. He's like, look, the kingdom of God is not a fort for the comfortable. It is not this exclusive members only club, but is actually something that is on mission to save those who are not yet in it. This kingdom has a mission. See, Jesus is quoting one of the prophets, Hosea, when he says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. It says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Now, the Pharisees would have been well up on the whole burnt offerings, and they would have understood that a way to please God and to kind of find this right relationship with God was through sacrifice and offerings. And Jesus is saying, I want, I want to see acknowledgement of God rather than these burnt offerings. So the Pharisees would have been like, how dare he say this? Because that is the only way you can please God. Jesus was tapping into something here. You people uh, think you've got everything together, that you think life is all set up for you. You think that you've got everything you need to make it to God. You do everything that you think God wants, yet you do not even acknowledge the God that you say you worship. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God welcomes the broken in. It welcomes the sinners in. It welcomes those who don't have it all together. In fact, if you think you have it all together, I have nothing to offer you. The kingdom of God is for those who are broken and in need of a savior. And the crazy thing is that every single one of us is in need of a savior. Every single one of us was born a sinner. Yet the Pharisees just didn't want to acknowledge that. They believed that they had everything together. This kingdom has a mission and it's for those who are not yet in it. It is not a fort. It is not a exclusive members only club. It is a lifeboat out in the storm and in the sea, pulling those from death back to life, bringing hope in the darkness, bringing freedom in places where people never thought they could be free. This kingdom has a mission. This kingdom requires faith. This kingdom costs everything and this kingdom has a mission. I don't know this morning whether you were listening and maybe you find yourself a little bit challenged or, or uncomfortable thinking like, look, I, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but this is sounding crazy. This is sounding like, like I have to do all of this stuff. I have to work our way up. But we have to remember that what Jesus did on the cross for us, he did everything. There is nothing we can add to that. He just says, come. So maybe you're listening this morning and you feel like, how can I, how can I come? 
How can I be right? How can I actually make it there? Jesus has his arm extended and he's welcoming you in. He's saying, hey, welcome to the kingdom. Welcome. I've got, I've got plans and purposes for you. You just have to come. Or maybe you're sat listening thinking, maybe I've been a little too comfortable. Maybe I've been a little too complacent. Maybe I've even been a little bit too religious where I've, I've put these things, these appearances of doing right over actually being right with God. And today is a moment you want to draw that line in the sand as we head into this new year. It is not a year for us to put up this facade like we are holy and we've got everything together. It is not a year to pretend that things aren't difficult. It is not a year to, to try and like scrape up whatever strength we have in ourselves and say, I can make it on my own. But a year to actually say, God, I acknowledge you and I need you. I heard a story of this lifeboat station that would like hold like these little sessions where they would watch over this bay because it was notorious for loads of shipwrecks. And they would hold these like real long sessions where they would just watch and watch when they knew ships were coming in. And people would be there, the, the people that worked there would be there for hours and hours. And it was a, a pretty run down old building. And some of the workers there just said, look, this is a bit unfair that we have to sit in this horrible shack of a building, you know, when, when we're trying to like do this job and look out for people. So they managed to get a little bit of money together and they rebuilt this shack into a really nice facility and they, they took out all the, the little nightstand bed things that they had that were like all metal and like, camp, like camping vibes. And uh, they made this real nice sort of like bunkhouse for the people that were there and they it was all state-of-the-art it was really nice and and uh they, there was one time where there was this crazy shipwreck and they managed to go out and they saved a load of people and the people actually had been there for so long that they were probably they smelled bad they were dirty they had all this stuff on them and the, the lifeboat operators were a little bit kind of nervous to bring them in because they didn't want to dirty the lifeboat station so uh, they kind of learned from this moment and they got a building committee together. This is a true story, you can look it up. And the building committee put a shower on the outside of the, the facility so that when people were shipwrecked, they could come, they could be cleaned outside, then brought in so they didn't bring all their mud in with them. And when I read this, I just felt like, what a picture of the church sometimes. That actually... We're going to stick a little shower on the outside so you can just be humiliated and you can be washed clean of all your dysfunction, your mess, and then you can come in and be part of this. And you know what? If Jesus was there watching this whole thing, he'd be just saying exactly what he said to the disciples, uh, to the Pharisees, that you missed the point. You missed the point. This whole facility was built for the people that were broken and in need of help. Since when did the church become a place where people needed to clean themselves on the outside before they could come in and pretend to be holy? The whole point of the church is bring your mess and bring your dysfunction in. And that is the only place that you will find cleaning and support and help and this right standing with God. Don't leave it at the door. Bring it in. This kingdom has a mission. And if you find yourselves in this kingdom and you find yourself complacent and not going along with that, can I encourage you this morning that you are living at odds with the kingdom of God? This kingdom is not a members only club, but it is something designed to help those who are not yet in it. 
May we never be a church that requires people to get rid of their dysfunction before they come in. The church should be a place with open doors where people are constantly being brought in that are in need of help, that are in need of restoration, that are in need of someone to believe in them, that are in need of people to say that there is hope for tomorrow. And you know what, right now as we stand on the the beginning looking out across this new year, Light Church will be a place that stands there and says, we believe that there is hope for the future. We believe that there are better days ahead. We believe that God has breathed value and purpose into every single person. That is the kingdom and it has a mission. This morning, you might find yourself getting ready to cross that line of faith. I want to know more about this God. I want to, I want to follow this Jesus who can, who can really make me the person I was designed to be to experience freedom and purpose. And all you have to do is take your brokenness, take your sin, take this former self of of yours, bring it to Jesus and just say, can you clean me? Can you help me? I give you my life. And today will be a day that changes your life forever. Let us not be a people that are so comfortable in our religion that we miss the broken and the hurting. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for this new year. That is a year of possibility and opportunity. And God, I pray right now for those people that cross that line of faith, that have made one of the most significant decisions that they will ever make in their life. God, I thank you right now for them. I pray that you would just flood their life with a peace so profound that they have never experienced before. And God, I pray right now for those people that feel challenged about this maybe a religious spirit or a comfortable spirit or a a one that wants to maybe not get in line with the mission of your kingdom. God, I pray right now that you would just fill us with a boldness and a courage to be the people that you designed us to be, that live in accordance with your kingdom and your rule. God, we thank you for who you are. I pray that today isn't just a day of inspiration or encouragement or knowledge, but it's a day of life change. We thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, it's been so good to spend these few moments together. I hope you are inspired and encouraged to face this new year with hope and expectancy. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.